Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And I do realize that I generally do uh, my whole out-of-sight spiel every Tuesday for Sixers Nation, but this is a little different. It's the summertime. Summer League is going on right now, but at the same time, no disrespect to my colleagues at Liberty Ballers, but they're doing all of the Summer League covers. There's not much that I can say or produce that they aren't covering already. So you know what? I decided... Let's do something a little bit more fun, a little more interesting. I am a huge pop culture slash comic book nerd. And one of the one of my favorite series that has come out in the last couple of years is the Disney What If series featuring the Marvel Universe. So I thought, why not take that idea and incorporate it into some Sixers Universal timelines? That's right. This is the Sixers Multiverse Podcast. I am Adil Royster. I am your host. And I could not think of one other person that I would rather do this with than my old pal Dave Early. He's been on the Out of Sight Podcast a billion times. I love having him on the show. I love talking to him about stuff like this. So, Dave, here, here we are. It's the first foray into the Sixers Multiverse. How are we feeling? We're, I'm feeling really excited. I always, uh, always love to talk faults and what ifs and hypotheticals and um, sort of like Monte Carlo simulation. You know, what if <laughs> what if this played out a thousand different ways? How how would it all look? What happens on average? So I enjoy these things. Now Dave kind of hinted at it, and if you read the title, you probably know what we're going for. Today's podcast spans uh it, we go back to the year 2017 the 2016 2017 season right after that and it's quite simple what if the sixers hadn't drafted markel fultz what would the team look like what would have happened as dave hinted what kind of players could have been brought in let's just get started okay the state of the team going into the 2017 draft, Markel Fultz draft. Team is coming off of a 28 and 54 record. Embiid looked very good after his quote unquote rookie season. It's his first full rookie season, quote unquote. He was in line for rookie of the year, but there was that whole like, oh, he hadn't played enough games and stuff yet. So that was whatever. There was also so much potential in this team. With MB's rookie season, 
with Simmons incoming after sitting out that season with, I believe that was a ankle injury that year, right? Yep. Wait, which, which one? Simmons. Um, it was either an ankle or a foot, because I don't think it was his back by that point. He broke his foot. It was, I think it was a Jones fracture. That's right. Dario had came over. He was looking really nice. And then my favorite from the whole like process Sixers era, Lord Covington. Bob Covington, love that guy. There was so much potential on this team. Let, let's start with this. How, how did you feel going into that draft, Dave? Because I'll, I'll give you my thoughts after you explain how you were feeling going into that draft that year. Well, the thing I think about the most is how excited I was. Uh, the Sixers, you knew they had these awesome players. You knew they were going to be like Joel was going to play and Ben was going to play. And then you also had. Uh, are we beginning at the lottery? We knew we had the third pick because the pick swapped. We were we would have landed the fifth, but Sam Hinky did Hinky things, and it turned into the third. Um, so so there let's was just say so- let's say we didn't quite know that the pick had swapped just yet. Okay, so we know we have a good chance at the first overall pick. Yes, uh, we knew we have a great chance at a top five pick, basically, and we're starting to dream of these top prospects. And we know that at this point, Markel Fultz is the bell of the ball. He's everyone's, you know, not literally everyone, but he was one of the consensus top picks for sure. He was definitely the consensus top pick that year. No yeah, disrespect to like Jason Tatum or Lonzo Ball, you know, hindsight 2020. We didn't know what kind of player Jason Tatum would turn into. We didn't know what kind of player Lonzo Ball would turn into, even though that took another couple of years or so. But we all kind of thought that if we get the chance to draft this kid, Markel Fultz is 1,000% that third star that we need. Somebody that can get to the basket, somebody that can shoot a little bit, somebody that has – I, I remember he was uh, compared to James Harden a little bit, which is ironic given the player that we actually traded for like many, many years later. Um, personally – I was extremely hyped going into that draft. I was looking up and down. I was like, okay, so Fultz is here. We got Jason Tatum is in here. Lonzo Ball is in here. But then Malik Monk was also in that draft class, and I was talking myself into Malik Monk as well. There was De'Aaron Fox I was trying to talk myself into. Like, there was a lot of choices in this draft the Sixers could have gone in. And there was a rumor that the Sacramento Kings, who – you know, once the pick swapped, they had the fifth pick. They also had the 10th pick. There was a rumor at one point that summer that they could trade up to try to get a guy like Fox was who they were linked to. Right. And a lot of, a lot of Sixers fans jumped on that possibility and said, wow, if, what if you get the fifth and the 10th pick? You know, maybe, uh, maybe you could pair a guy like Jonathan Isaac with a, with a shooter like Malik Monk. Uh, and then those represent good fits around your newfound supernova. We don't know what he is yet, point guard and Ben Simmons. Um, you know, there was Dennis Smith Jr. that a lot of people liked at the time. I was, high, was, on, that, I was high on DSJ as well. Yeah, there was uh, – we, we didn't talk about Donovan Mitchell like we should have, obviously. Uh, I think he was seen as a undersized combo guard and a – you know, his jump shot was still a question. His defense was a question. He, there were some concerns that he was a one-legged jumper. He had to jump off two legs, which would slow him from finishing. So he wasn't even 
in many of those conversations I had about the 10th pick, which is how crazy it was. Right. Um, that's how much people liked Malik Monk as well at, for the fit. But, um, but yeah. The, the Sixers went with Fultz, and I at the time we all understood why. He was the potential third star to put yeah, around. Joel Embiid had even mentioned, he was like, I really like that kid from Washington, I believe. Yeah. Said that. One season at University of Washington, uh, 23.2 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 5.9 assists. 41% from three on 126 attempts. And he's he was a three-level scorer with the, the true shooting percentage of uh, 558. Fultz just fit way too perfectly for to put with Simmons and Embiid. Like, that that was just too perfect. Yeah, I think what's the, the way it played out, and I really nerded out this summer because I was so excited about what they might do. Once we knew the picks swapped and we had – Three, I think we all spent weeks at least wondering, well, we heard Fultz is going to go one and ball is probably going to go two. Right. So now you're, now you're looking at a choice between guys like Josh Jackson, who a lot of fans really loved for his defensive ability and athleticism, Jason Tatum, who I believe Keith Pompey wrote was someone that Brian Colangelo liked and might be the pick for them at three. Cause he's, cause he can shoot and they need right. a shooter. Uh, a lot of people liked Fox and a lot of people hated Fox because I think I remember Rich Hoffman who wrote for Philly voice at the time saying like Fox would be his nightmare scenario because now you're going to have two guys who can't shoot and, but want to handle the ball. And even one is a question mark there, which is reasonable thinking. Although I liked Fox more than some of those fans who were down on him. I thought his jumper could improve. Um, I probably, I liked Fox as a possible compliment to Simmons, because you hear something like this all the time. If the free throw percentage is good, then that's usually a decent indicator of how good of a shooter somebody is. Like, sure, Fox from three that year, I believe he was like less than 30% from three, but his free throw percentage was like close to 80. So there was that reasoning where it's like, okay, he's not that good from three, but he's not a total loss. Like, we don't think he's completely broken from deep. He, yeah, he was seen as that guy who you penciled in as, like, a top 10 pick. And then he had the tournament, and now you're looking at him as, like, this underrated hype train guy where he spanked Lonzo Ball in head-to-head competition and clearly outplayed him. Just you look- pants Lonzo Ball. Just, just pulled his pants down on the court. Yeah, he pressured him full court. I mean, in those days, we thought De'Aaron Fox was going to be an elite defensive player in the NBA uh, at the guard spot. You know, he was compared to, like, Mike Conley at times. So yeah. I started to look at him as, like, is it possible this guy's going to be better than Ball, who's a consensus second overall pick? Um, so I, I'm okay if the Sixers take him. I remember hearing a podcast that Derek Bodner gave where he was really talking about what they should try to do is do that trade back and just take Jonathan Isaac and then take a big swing with that 10th pick. Maybe a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. or Malik Monk were some of the names. Oh, and Frank Nielakina in case he fell as well. Um, so that way you can get a, a hit a double with your first pick, which is the fifth guy who looks like he's going to be a good 3 and D wing, and then take a high upside swing at the guard spot. And I liked that idea a lot at the time. Um, but then eventually it sounded like the Kings settled in on, on picking at five because they thought they could get Fox, which was accurate. 
now we get to the trade-up. This is after we found out that the pick swapped. So at the time, Philly had the third pick. Um, Colangelo, this was the trade. Uh, Sixers get the number one overall pick, and then Boston got number three and a 2018 first via the Lakers or 2019 first-round pick. At the time... That I, I thought that was a good idea. Like if they didn't think they were gonna get Fultz at one and they really liked him, I can kind of understand why the need to trade up. Like at, at the time, did you think it was a good idea? To trade up? To trade up for one to get Fultz. I don't know if I would have done it personally, because I thought the value was I mean that King's pick. I wouldn't have wanted to part with. Yes. But I was excited once it happened because I loved Fultz as a prospect. So right. emotionally I was on board, but if I were in the GM shoes in those days, I don't think I would have made that trade. Um, I would have tried to trade up, but I certainly wouldn't have put that Kings pick, which I overrated at the time uh, on the board. I mean, it turned into Romeo Langford. So Maybe they were right. If Fultz had hit, that was a decent value move because we couldn't pencil the Kings in for the worst record in a year Zion was a prospect. Um, now, now, we'll get to the 2019 draft. But I was excited. I was yeah, for, yeah. for sure excited about moving up. I was completely excited to get Fultz because, like you said, like we had seen this guy at Washington. You see all the YouTubes. You see all the clips. You see the numbers. And you're like, holy crap, this is the guy that's going to be like the rug in the Big Lebowski. He's just going to put the room together. I was just like, we're going to get this kid? Awesome. This is fantastic. And I, I, I loved it. I loved it. And I still don't like the idea of people who, who talk about what happened to him as if it was evidence of like when if they didn't think he was the best pick for number one overall. And they yes. say like, I was worried. No, no, no. I don't buy that. I really do think he was uh, one of the, t- the best picks on the board. You know, maybe not the first, but definitely a top five pick because the version of the player he was before what happened to him happened was really, really good. And now we get into like what happened, like as a result of the pick, like Fultz is on the team. I, I seem to remember him having a decent ish summer league. I can't remember if he was hurt during summer league. I, he might have been. I can't a thousand percent remember though. Yeah, they they brought him in. Actually, you remember that they brought him in for a shoot around, and he shot terribly. And people yes. were like, "I had this the stance of like, well, shoot arounds are bad. Like, you remember Darko Milicic was red hot in a shoot around, and the Pistons drafted him over Melo and Wade and Bosh. Oh, so." Lord. You don't want to be placing too much stock in like a 20-shot sample. You should have watched so many hours of film that whatever he does in 20 minutes doesn't really impact you. On the other hand, if his shooting form looks different, maybe you want to spend the weekend with him once you realize Danny Ainge was willing to let you have this pick. Because yeah. Ainge, Ainge had spent like a weekend with him. He, he was there in Boston, did not play well for their team per reports. So – Knowing that, I mean, I feel like if we knew what Brian Colangelo knew in June of 2017, we would have said, well, let's let's take some time here. Maybe before we move this, before we make this trade up and then before we make Markel the pick, let's spend some time with Markel. And they didn't do that, uh, it sounds like. 
So do you feel like they just weren't doing their, their due diligence to maybe do complete scouting? Yeah, I don't believe they did their due diligence for the in-person stuff. Like if, if Danny Ainge spent five days with him or four days or three days, whatever it was, and said, I'm willing to trade this pick. Now I need more information myself. Like, exactly. Okay, what, what did he run into? I'm not going to take an hour. I want to take, you know, four days, maybe a week. And, and if that trade happens on draft night, then you're definitely like, okay, if, if Ainge is offering you that on draft night, then you're really like, um, no, I, I don't think I want to do this because of the simple fact that like you're so not wanting to take whom everyone pretty much thought was a consensus number one pick. Yeah, and I think something that's often forgotten is the Celtics – I believe made the predetermination, not that Tatum is the consensus one, he's in a tier by himself, but that these guys at the top are clustered and they would have been content with Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, or Josh Jackson. And I believe they saw that as the top tier and they would have been content with any of them. And they would have traded with the Phoenix Suns if they didn't trade with the Sixers because the Suns were rumored to want to trade up to one and I think that they could have worked something out because there were reports that Danny Ainge loved Josh Jackson. And you remember him picking guys like Marcus Smart and being in love with defensive pit bulls who he can groom their jump shot. Yeah, I think it made, there was a lot of smoke there. Uh, I think the Sixers had that tough decision too. I think they were waffling between Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson, maybe De'Aaron Fox and John Isaac. Um, there was a little bit of talk that they liked Monk and they might reach on him for his fit as a shooter. But I think based on the reports, based on Keith Pompey saying that Colangelo liked Tatum, that if they did nothing, then Tatum would have fallen to them at number three, and they could have, and they probably would have taken him. With Fultz, the, the beginning and the end of his stint with the Sixers, it's just one word, the, the yips. And we've, we saw that with him. We've seen that with Simmons. And uh, throughout it all, like, one thing that you can never say about this fan base is that we were not behind Fultz. Like we were patient. We wanted him to be, we wanted him to succeed. We wanted him to be the guy that we thought we were getting when we drafted him. We gave Fultz so much benefit of the doubt. And was that kind of disappointing? That well, obviously it was disappointing, but how, how disappointing was it that it just didn't materialize the whole thing was crazy and, and wild and like you know he was going to kentucky to see a specialist for scapular dyskinesis and we had to learn what that was and everyone was saying like spike eskin was saying it's not that it's just the yips he's got the yips it's like mackie sasser um, right. don't, bo don't bother reading about these shoulder injuries that's just cover up to try to get his confidence back um and even his his agent Tony, what was his name? Raymond Brothers. Raymond Brothers. Or they would often refer to him as like his attorney and agent, Raymond yeah. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> which is, um, he would say like, you know, there was fluid going into the arm. Oh no, the fluid was drained and was like, okay, there's something very shady going on where not even the agent knows what's procedures being done. Um, fa yeah, fans, there was retweet Armageddon by the rights to Richie guys. <laughs> that was great. That was great, by the way.
and and so it was pretty clear that some something horrible had happened and his jump shot was not what we thought it was as early as September and we didn't know why and there was speculation that he had had a motorcycle accident a biking accident or who knows what but just that, wasn't able able to play that's that's what I both love and hate about this town like we will get behind you if you're out here working and you're doing everything you need to be doing in order to get on the field or on the court or on the ice but God damn it! Will we fall for so much speculation? Yeah, and then it was then it was all like borderline creepy because he would come back and he would have these like twitches and his free throw form where he was like pitter pattering the ball back. Oh my god! And you were like, "What's going on with this with this prospect?" I mean, the number one pick, and then you got Ben Simmons, who didn't was the number one pick and didn't want to shoot either after playing well in summer league. So it was like this franchise has to be a certain kind of snake bit here. Um, Amari Cooper, the football player was like doing his weird free throw shooting thing on a Thanksgiving day. And false had to deal with that and like pretend to like it. Uh, we, we go from the, the yips to the promise unfulfilled after the 14 game rookie season, the speculation about a shoulder injury. He played 15 games in his rookie season, but the Sixers had Joel and Simmons. So between those two guys, the Sixers were able to go 52 and 30 and lose in the Eastern Conference semis to Boston four games to one. So even after that disappointing rookie season, the Sixers were still a playoff team, only going to get better. And Fultz is out here just like making sure that he's getting right so they can come back in year two. And yeah, okay, now we're going to get the, the full that we were promised. That's is that kind of where your head was get at going into the 2018 season? Uh, no, I, I was not very optimistic because... Really? I, I had seen some footage of his, of his workouts, some unedited footage of his workouts. Hashtag grainy video season. Yeah, I had seen some of the, the grainy and not grainy. <laughs> and so I could see that his form was still quite different oh wow from from washington and so i wasn't i didn't have my hopes high uh i think at that time was like drew hanlon was saying like the monsters are back that they they've got their powers back um but i'm looking at the footage and i'm like well no not they're not back this isn't gonna work there was a there there's that nickname that only i loved which was the feds fultz Embiid. uh Dario, Dario and Simmons, Simmons. like that. Yeah, was, that was... I, I'm sorry, I love that nickname. That nickname was great for like two months. It was a pretty good nickname, and you wondered, like, all right, if you if you trade him now, you're going to be selling low, but you are star hunting. Would you do it for a guy like Kawhi for sure? Yeah, how much more? You know, could you do Fultz, Covington, Dario, and get Kawhi? You know that that was the question we were all asking ourselves, and I think. Most fans probably would have done it, but they would have been reluctant to part with Fultz because you wanted to see him first. Um, and there was rumors that he was untouchable too. Yes. There was later rumors that they were considering using him to trade up to get a guy like Michael Porter Jr. in the following draft. Um, also in that range was like Luca, Trey, and Jaron Jackson Jr. So you wonder, Fultz, the 10th pick, that's got to get you closer than 10. It's got to get you at least in the ballpark for like the fifth, sixth. At least pick. five or six, yeah. There was rumors that the Grizzlies 
would have parted with number four to trade back if they could have dumped Chandler Parsons' salary. So you wondered about faults in those days then. But it's starting to dawn on you that something disastrous might be happening here. And it continued in year two. He played in 19 games. He started in 15 of them. But like that opening, that that game against Chicago where he hit that first three-pointer of his career, like crowd going nuts. But he was still that shaky shooter, still kind of hesitant from beyond. And he was still shooting less than 25% from three. And that's when the trade happened on February of 2019 where he was traded to Orlando. So the the Fultz era was very tumultuous in its short period of time. And I, I want to ask you this. And this is kind of bleeding into getting into the DeLorean and going back to the past, which we're going to do after the break. But if Fultz was taken at three without trading the, the picks for 2019 or 2018 or whatever – do you think the sting would have been as as bad? So I believe Fultz, if, if the Sixers didn't do their trade, I believe Fultz goes one to Phoenix in a trade up, then Ball goes second to LA, and then the Sixers take Tatum at three. I think that's how it would have played out. And then I think the Celtics would have taken Josh Jackson at four. That's that's my read. But if the, so I think Markel's floor was second because he apparently played really, really well and the Lakers loved him. So I think if the Celtics did just take their guy at one and didn't trade back and took Tatum one, Fultz goes two, and now the Sixers are deciding between Ball and Tatum and no, Ball and Josh Jackson. And I think, I don't know what they would have done. There was some talk that Jerry Colangelo thought that Lonzo had some people around him that weren't great. So maybe they would have taken Josh Jackson. Uh, Jerry Colangelo is not the only person that thought that, uh, Lonzo had some bad people around him. Yeah. So I I think they would have wound up with ball or Jackson and that hypothetical. But if you, if you want to make it the magic one where full somehow falls to three, which never would have happened. Um, it wouldn't have been as bad because at least you'd have that Kings pick in 2019, which you could have included in the Tobias Harris trade and saved the Miami one or something like that. You have one more asset. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break and then we will satisfy some of the admin. We'll come back and then we will jump into the alternate universe and try to, I don't know, play a little game and just see what could have transpired if things were done a little bit differently. This is the Out of Sight Podcast special engagement series, the Sixers Multiverse Podcast. We'll be right back after a message from these words. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. 
That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we're back. It's myself, Dio Royster, and I got Dave Early with me. It is the Out of Sight Special Engagement for the Summer. Is the Sixers Multiverse Podcast. What we're doing is we're just going back into Sixers lore and saying, hey, what if this happened? What if that happened? Today is the debut of it. We are doing what if the Sixers hadn't drafted Markel Fultz. And we did a little of the backstory in part one of this podcast. And now, now we're going to have some fun. It's 2017 draft. Sixers have the third pick. Who should have been that pick? Go Looking back, I have my, my, my personal choice. Wasn't it wasn't Tatum, wasn't Lonzo, it wasn't anything like that. I was so ready to trade back and get five and ten from Sacramento. And you kind of uh hinted at this in the first part of the podcast. And with the fifth and tenth pick, I would have taken Jonathan Jonathan Isaac five. And I probably would have taken so assuming that DSJ was still the pick. At nine, I would have gone Luke Kennard at ten. Interesting. So not not Malik Monk. I would have gone Luke Kennard at ten. And this is what you would have done. This is what this is what I would have done. Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac fought in a trade with Sacramento. Jonathan Isaac five. Luke Kennard ten. You get Jonathan Isaac to play the three. Maybe that moves Covington to the bench unless you start Isaac at the four, which kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense given he's so undersized. But that's a lot of length between Embiid, Isaac, and Simmons. And then you have a knockdown shooter in Luke Kennard who, if Simmons is breaking down the defense and he's getting in, he's going to get a lot of wide open looks. So that would have been my choice. Trade back. Five and ten, take Isaac and Luke Kennard. If I had to stay at three, nobody was biting or anything like that. Probably would have taken a swing and said, all right, let's say, like you were saying, let's say Phoenix makes that trade up to number one and they take Fultz. So Fultz is off the board. I feel like Lonzo to L.A. was kind of a lock, don't you think? Yep, he goes two to L.A. At that point, I'm taking Tatum. If, if I'm... If- if- if I if stay the Sixers, if I'm the Sixers and I have three and there's no other way I can get a trade or anything like that, I'll just take Tatum three and just say based, hell with it. Based on the reporting at the time that the Suns wanted to trade up and Danny Ainge liked the idea of trading back, 
But then I, I believe that Danny Ainge or Mike Zarin said, but then the Sixers absolutely blew us out of the water. <laughs> so it was kind of a low-key shot on Colangelo offering too much. God. But I believe they would have they would have traded back to four. So, yeah, I think the, the correct play there is Tatum. I actually think that if you could look back and do it all in a vacuum with knowledge of the whole thing, you just stick with the false trade and take all this risk off the table and you take Tatum Take Tatum on. <laughs> yeah, and people push back on that on Twitter and say, no, the Celtics never would have done Of course they would have. They, they can't stop you from taking whoever you want. Exactly. I think the reason they made the trade was because they felt these guys are on a similar tier and so take the value and add that future pick, which is fine. We know it's Langford. We don't need him. Right. Um, the, Celtics would have been, the Celtics would have been totally fine if the Sixers took Tatum and then they had three, which turned into fulls, and then a whole bunch of like uh, assets on top of that. And they then, would have been thrilled. They would have been thrilled because they would have gotten all this press that they got the best player in the draft. Or, you know, Kevin Pelton had Lonzo Ball. Let's say Ball fell to them at three and they took Ball. People would have praised them for getting the second best player in the draft at three and also a pick that might become Zion. And I get it. I totally get it. We don't know if Tatum becomes Tatum if he's a member of the Sixers. We don't know if Fultz still has, you know, uh, the yip problem or the alleged shoulder problem if he's in Boston. But, you know, at the time, Tatum was a pretty damn good scorer. So if anything, there's just that angle. Hey, we have a bona fide scorer with Embiid and Simmons. And just to answer what I would have done if I got that five and 10, assuming Fox is goes higher now, because the rumor was that Stack was going to trade up because they loved Fox. Right. So let's say Fox is gone. I'm probably picking from Tatum, Josh Jackson and John Isaac at five. And I, I, I just, hate to admit it, but I probably had Josh Jackson a rung higher than the other two. And I would have taken Josh at five. So I have, Josh Jackson at number five, who we know is a bust, but yeah. then I'll, ca- I'll caveat with this. Getting Josh, I might have been able to keep Robert Covington in the Jimmy Butler trade a year later, so I'm fine either way. Yes. Um, but I have Josh Jackson, and I'm on the clock again at 10, and I probably would have taken Malik Monk. I, I, I like that. There- if, you, if you gave me, if you let me do it in a way that I could tell the future and I have five and 10, I'm just going to take Mitchell at five and Bam at 10. I mean, of course. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> well, I'm just, I just like also playing what's the, what would have been the perfect thing to do because we might disagree on that. Someone else might say you should have taken OG or traded back, did what Zach did and got yeah. 15 and 20, and you can get Bam and OG or something like that. Yeah, I don't know why people were so down on OG and Anobi that year. Like, he wasn't like the, the fact that Toronto got him at 23, like, that was, that was just. Maxi going 21 levels of what the hell is the NBA doing? <laughs> it was la- it was lack of ball creation skills and it was the ACL tear. Right. Uh, okay, so there's a name here. He went seventh to Minnesota, but then he was traded to Chicago. I was high-ish on Lowry Markinen because he'd be like another stretch four to throw in there with Dario and Embiid in that rotation. I don't know if I would take him as high as I don't. There's no way I'm taking him as high as three. I'm not probably not even taking him at five. If he's yeah, there, it'd become interesting to me if he falls to ten and I had that ten. Exactly. Maybe if he's at ten, sure I'll take him. But the Pistons took Kennard at twelve. So by that logic, I'm pretty sure Kennard is going to be there there at ten. Again, don't know what kind of player Donovan Mitchell was. 
don't know what kind of player Bam Adebayo was. Of course, Embiid is there anyway, so I don't know why I would have taken Bam just on an upside level. But I liked liked Mitchell and OG around that 12-13 spot, and I liked them at the time more than I liked Bam and Kennard. Right. For for me, I feel like Isaac and Kennard would probably have been the best pairing for those two picks to put around Simmons and Embiid at that at that time. That's what I thought. If there was a trade back scenario possible, yeah, I, I liked Fox too. It, 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 the three, like if the Sixers just took Fox third overall, I would have been okay with it. Um, and I don't think it would have worked out with him and Simmons because that is weird. But they could have they could have traded Fox for a lot of value through the last couple seasons. Now with, let's... with Fultz, not only couldn't they, although you could point out yeah. when they traded Fultz, they actually got a pick that became Tyrese Maxey. Yes. So, so, so there's that angle. There's that. Uh, the 2019 draft. So this was the draft that Boston had the pick from the Fultz trade, which turned into the 14th pick, and they got Romeo Langford. The Sixers in that same draft took Thibel number at 20th after another trade. Here's, here's a question. In the 2019 draft, how high do you think the Sixers could have gotten in the draft with a package of 14 and 24? Because there's a name out there where I'm just like, oh, damn it. And that name is Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero went 13th. And... If if I could have gotten Tyler Harrow at thirteen, or you know move up somewhere like seven, eight, nine, ten range, and maybe take a shot with like Cam Reddish, because there's no way you're getting top five pick with just fourteen and twenty four. But if I can get into the top, the latter half of the top ten, you're looking at Jarrett Culver, who I kind of liked. Rui Hashimura, who I kind of like, and then Hero, you could definitely get in the six to ten range. Yeah, uh, I, I think you definitely. I mean, if you had fourteen and twenty-four, you could definitely have gotten to above thirteen, thirteen or above, I believe. Um, so, one hundred percent, if you liked Hero that much, I think you could have landed him with the value that you spent acquiring faults. Um, so. Here are, the, here are all the picks from 6 to 14, assuming we can get in that range. Jarrett Culver, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, Rui Hashimura, Cam Reddish, Cam Johnson, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero at 13, and then Langford went 14. And then after that, the only other name that even mildly looks decent at 14 is probably Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah, I liked – I remember watching the Sixers closely because we had 24 originally, and so I was eyeing Brandon Clark and Grant Williams. Yes. Um, I, I wasn't eyeing Jordan Poole, who I should have been eyeing. I yeah. wasn't eyeing Mat- Matisse Thibel, who I should have been eyeing more closely. <laughs> um, but I also wasn't – because the pick was late, I didn't get into it as much as I did in 2017 because like the idea of getting the third overall pick that that's a lot of YouTube videos. You got to watch. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. You have to view. It's a lot. You have to look at. I had to watch a lot of like Josh Jackson in college videos. 
oh man like that that's just that's just the dark ages for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now let's i'm gonna close this out with like the the most ridiculous hypotheticals of hypotheticals right so not drafting Fultz or taking him three without trading does not affect the tobias harris or jimmy butler trades like those the assets in those trades were unaffected However, with some more of these assets, is it possible that in that offseason, the Sixers could have been in the mix for a KD trade from Oklahoma City? So let's say they give up, like, Simmons. No, uh, no. This is a non-starter. No. There's no, no way Sam Presti was trading Kevin Durant at any point. He was really? going to... Yeah, even if KD told him I'm leaving you, he would have said, I'm going to convince you to stay. Like on, on February 9th, if he said, I'm probably going to, this is probably my last year here, there's no way they would have traded him. I, they would have just done whatever it took to try to win the title that year. Because remember, they were close. They, they went seven. They were close. Years. So, yeah, there's no, there's no chance they were trading KD for any but, of these small pieces. But now that, like, even, even if, even if, Durant was like, nah, like this, like going into th that off season, he was like, nah, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. Just no. trade me. No, 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 no chance. Zero percent chance. And if there was, you would have had to begin with like Embiid. <laughs> Presti is like, no, I'm not trading you. I will do what I had. I will do what I can to improve the roster around you, but I am not trading you for nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers won the title that year. But if the if Clay Game Six never happened, the Thunder probably beat the Cavs in the finals, right? Yeah, M more because more than like, likely, yes. It, yeah, it took Draymond Green getting ejected. It took you know an off performance from Steph, KD, Russ, what was it Roberson? Was Roberson the, was that the, Adams. the Cantor and Adams committee at, at the, the big Cantor uh, Adams and I think they had a Baca that year too. Ibaka, maybe Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson was on that squad. Yeah, damn. How so I, wow. I don't think he would have even dreamed of trading KD, even if he thought he might leave. I think he would have just said, look, you know, sort of like Yeah, run that just, back. Just run it back. We're, we're gonna <laughs> offer you a five-year max and dare you to say no. Right. <laughs> I, I, is there, but, but to the spirit of your question, yes. Yes. If okay. the Sixers, if the Sixers hadn't parted with that 2019 pick, they'd have some serious value while star hunting. And probably the relationship with Brett Brown and Pop gets you Kawhi because you're offering now. Ooh, the freaking, the freaking, that's a good one. You're, you're now topping the DeMar DeRozan market with Covington, right. this, uh, the Sacramento Kings pick. The 2019 Kings pick was seen as like the best value in the trade ship in the entire NBA. Right. So probably getting Kawhi heading into 2018, 2019. And, and, and then we just, and then we just take the place of the Toronto Raptors. Just like, Hey, okay, we're getting Kawhi for one year, for, but for that one year, damn it, we might win the title. Yeah, and you have, and you have Butler with him. And you have and Butler with him. Jesus. Butler, Butler, Kawhi, Sim, and, and like we're in this hypothetical land, but this, was in the sim. This was something that was possible that could have happened 
in another version of events. It's not oh my god, I didn't even remember that that was the same off season as the Kawhi trade. I totally forgot. Yeah, and and the Kyrie Irving one, right? Right. I think that was August. Damn it. We got Butler in October, maybe November. October, maybe. yeah. Damn. Um, all right. So Harris to make the contract work. Uh, multiple picks, obviously. The the the, the Kings pick, maybe a couple of future picks. Throw in, I guess. Would you have to throw in Covington as well? Wait, what is this, Har- Harris? Like, because by because by that offseason, the Sixers had already traded for Tobias Harris. You're talking about 2019 now. Off-season? Yes. Okay, so we have we have Harris, and we are deciding whether or not to max Jimmy. Yes. Okay. So deciding whether or not to max Jimmy, that doesn't work. But we know Kawhi is kind of being floated out there for like trade. Maybe maybe Kawhi was deciding that summer between. Clippers, Lakers, and Raptors. Okay, all right. After what, having just won the title. Which, but which but rewinding hard. a year to 2018, that's when Kawhi was available, having just missed an entire season, basically, with the Spurs. Okay, so now you're looking at, like, uh, Covington, the Kings pick, which was just, like, highly coveted and just, like, multiple, multiple. Highly coveted, yeah. So you had enough to get Butler, and you probably had enough to best the market for Kawhi. Damn. Because, yeah, because Popovich could have taken that Kings pick and hoped that it might become, you know, R.J. Barrett or – I think it was protected one, so it wouldn't have been Zion. So you would have had to still do more. But that, I think that's the one. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest what if there. It's like, not a guarantee, though, because he didn't want picks. Like, he wanted to half compete with a guy like DeRozan. So maybe not. Maybe he still takes the weird package – from Masai, but I, I think they could have got gotten the deal done with, with the Kings pick in tow. Well, that that seems to be the, the perfect way to end this as we as we shift back to reality and uh, come back to the Sixers land that we're in. This is the first of an eight-part series. We're, I'm, I'm looking at eight. I have six written down. I, I need two more, but I'm, I'm in the workshop. We're in the labs. We're thinking... Um, but this has been incredible. I love every second of this. I'm looking forward to future episodes with you, Dave, and I can't wait for other ones that may or may not have taken place when you didn't have a firm basketball grass when you were, cause, cause I'm older than you, Dave. I I've been around. I've seen some, I've seen that, some things with this team. My basketball memory for the Sixers was really sharp for 2017. So if you want to go back to like, even the Elton brand days, I'm going to, I'm going to need to do a lot more homework. Also, this was really fun for me too. What do you think it says about us that this reliving the Fultz thing was fun? I, I don't know. I think it's just the fact that like Fultz was so Fultz was so high energy and Fultz just felt like the perfect compliment that looking back, I was even just looking back. Like it just comes, it just returns that feeling of, excitement and what could have been had this guy panned out you know i think that's what it was for me yeah he was also really 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 likable so you wanted him to work extremely likable so he really like he didn't he didn't say the wrong things he didn't do the wrong things he was just out here really trying to uh succeed in a league where you know it's it's really hard to 
it's it's just really hard to live up to expectations when you're the number one overall pick and he was still out here working and doing everything that he possibly could to get back i remember being very worried that if the sixers traded for Kawhi, it remember he was coming off a season where he didn't play at all really right and he had now dealt with this jumper's knee quad knee issue going back to the year that they won it and so you didn't know how many games you were going to get. And if he was a rental, and then what happens if Fultz comes back without the yips or without the shoulder issue, you traded for Kawhi, you only get 30 games, and then Fultz is a star in San Antonio. I was genuinely worried about that, which, which seems preposterous to worry about today. But that, you know, in 2018, that was an issue. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Four years ago, to, around this time, that was something I was worried about. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're we're now back. It's 2022. We're it's it's the off season once again. So we're just we're just doing some fun hypotheticals here, folks. It's the outside podcast special engagement. Oh, breaking yeah. news! Breaking yeah. news! Go ahead. Jake F- Jake Fisher says Chip England is departing the Spurs, so we can get Chip England go back in time to 2017 and have him work with Fultz. Nice. There we go. <laughs> it's all it's all tying together. It's all coming around. Uh, this has been the first of the Sixers uh, special engagement on the Out of Sight podcast on the on the Liberty Ballers podcast network, hosted by Vox Media, where you can find all of your Vox Media podcasts. Summer League is going on right now. The entire site has it all covered. It's all covered from game recaps, live threads, thoughts, opinions. But in the meantime, Dave and I, we're going to get out of here and we are going to uh, plan our next trip into another reality. And hopefully you enjoyed this and you enjoy future episodes of this podcast. And we will talk to everyone next week.